Hello and welcome to another HTXT AfriCast, uh, recorded on Thursday, going out Friday morning. Uh, my name is Nick Cowan, I'm the managing editor of HTXT Africa, and joined with me today on the podcast is Clinton Matos. Hello, everybody. And uh, indie game designer Stephen Two. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Um, this week, Mike, there's going to be a game jam down at Microsoft. The global game jam is taking place there. We've been trying to talk to Microsoft about what's going on and why we weren't sent a press release about this. But in the meantime, we thought we'd tap out one of the people who's going, Stephen. Um, so, Stephen, here's the thing: how many games jams? How many? How many get games game jams is this for you? Whoa. Okay. How many? Let me. <laughs> uh, I've done. One, two, three, four Ludum Dares. Three, four, five Ludum Dares. Or was it four? I'd have to look that up. Okay. Um, but, but this would be the third Global Game Jam. Uh, I've also done a few others in between, including indie speed runs, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the other ones. So you're uh, it was Nag Jam, previous to Rage last year. Okay. So a bunch. So you're basically a seasoned veteran at this sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I have been. Um, it, 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 I've really made it a point to go to as many of these things as possible. And by go to, I mean just do them. You can do them from home. You can do them from anywhere, really. Uh, having a location to jam together is, is a real big bonus. I love it. Uh, the exchange of ideas and people and camaraderie is just great. And, uh, but if... If if I don't get to do a jam and on location, I would happily do it from home. Uh, there are actually four different locations in South Africa that this is going down. Johannesburg, Cape Town, Pretoria, and George, they all have uh, spaces allocated for this. But like you said, uh, anyone with an internet connection can do it uh, from their home. Yeah, from home, yeah. Um, from what I know, a lot of people in uh, more remote regions usually just do it from home. Uh, Durban... And by remote, I mean like there's not a, an established community around them. Okay. Now, you said that the exchange of ideas is a, a huge big bonus. Like going to a game jam, what, what, what can you expect? I mean, what's the attendance like? I mean, is this an event that's open to anybody who wants to take part? Can you come along as a, a, as a participant or as an audience member? I mean, what sort of things do you expect to come out of it? Well, pretty much anyone can go. Um, if you're interested in making games, whether you're a graphic designer, uh, watercolor artist, uh, musician, anything, um, the, the idea is to just go and be part of a, a, something that makes something in the end. One of the biggest problems in game development is the feeling of, of having finished something. So a lot of people start and they make things and they make little bits and they just sit and they wonder, Oh, why can't I f- finish things? I, you feel inadequate when you don't finish things. And it's really hard to finish things because games are massive. They're cross-interdisciplinary um, things that, that combine a whole bunch of stuff. So it's, it's good to have a hard time limit within a short time to, so you can push yourself to just draw a line in the sand and say, this is done. Whatever it is, this is done. Okay. Now, this is the thing. You said there's an exchange of ideas at a game jam. Like, I went to a maze last year, um, which, uh, which was kind of my, um, my introduction into the, uh, the indie game scene out in South Africa. And what really, really struck me was the fact that like, um, where I came from, when I was working in the UK, a lot of indie development was kind of done by 
individuals who are kind of lone wolf in their approach. I mean, they, they were either a team or they were individuals who were creating games, but they would create them kind of on their own. Whereas Amaze kind of made me think that of the of the South African indie scene, like it's a bit like a, a punk rock scene where, you know, someone who's creating okay. a game may be a beta tester on another game or they may be... Um, helping design code for another game. I mean, one of the things I loved about Amaze was that someone would pitch up with a laptop with their game on it going, right, I have this problem. And immediately you'll have three or four people jumping onto, uh -oh. this, onto uh, the same laptop. Someone would pitch up was the last thing I heard. Okay, let me do that again. One of the things I loved about Amaze was the fact that someone would pitch up with a laptop with their game on it and say, like, I'm stuck on this particular problem. I don't really know what to do. And the, and the next thing you know, there'll be three or four other developers jumping onto that laptop and saying, right, have you tried this? Have you tried this? I mean, like I said, it, it, it's, it seems to be like a bit more like a music scene than a game scene. Or is that just me reading too much into it? I mean, the community seems very, very strong. Is, 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 that, is that the case? Or is um, that so I think the perception of lone wolfing is, is there. Um, Yes, there's a lot of lone wolfing, but at the same time, without the community, no game development uh, can actually happen because it's it's a very communal um, thing because it's it's cross disciplinary. Uh, you need graphics, you need uh, music, you need design, and you need playtesting, and those are all things you can't really do in in a vacuum. Okay. Um, yes, there are have playtesters to. Uh, get people to do your music for you if you can't get people to like look at your stuff and that's that's one of the most important things about game dev um, you can't do everything by yourself and you can't s mentally simulate the game yourself you can't say I think it's good therefore it is good you need other people to test it um, and that's that's a thing that a lot of people miss out on uh, they don't they they very secluded in their way of thinking thinking um, I'm gonna make this and if if someone hears about my ideas, they're gonna make millions of my ideas, which is just never true. Just <laughs> never. Okay. Now, when you go to a game jam, I mean, I'm assuming you're you're essentially developing projects you're working on, or do you go with an idea already in mind? Do you brainstorm while you're there? I mean, how much prep are you doing ahead of tomorrow evening and the weekend? Okay, you can set your goals for yourself before you go or you can just go without a clue uh first time i went to a so my first jam ever was an indie speed run which is a jam uh also 48 hours and it, it starts for the whole world at the same time and yeah it was pretty tough i didn't have a clue what i was doing um i was using game maker at the time me and a, a programmer friend uh ed we did that, and um, he got food poisoning halfway, and I had to like Jeez. pick up the programmer slack. Uh, and that was just a crazy experience. We literally had no idea what we were doing. We we put out this thing that was just barely working, and that was fine. That was our first uh, game jam. Um, my first uh, Ludum Dare, I went with the mind of learning Unity. So I had no idea what I was doing in Unity back then. Uh, set up my shop and just fiddled with physics until something came out and that was fun. Okay. Um, there, there was also once I went uh, with the goal, specific goal of saying, okay, I want to make a mech game. So I sat and the theme came out and it was like an unconventional weapon. I thought, oh, that's it. 
you know, like a, an unconventional weapon, kind of, not really, but whatever. Um, what I found was like when I stuck to what I wanted to do, uh, the creative bits just weren't there. And that was very restrictive in terms of, of because I had thought so much about the thing before the time when I started doing it, it just wasn't creative. It was just like this stale thing that I've thought about. And it just snowballed into this giant, massive pile of systems that just weren't fun together. Like, because I had thought so much about it, I, I kept adding ideas and ideas and ideas in, into the thing. When I sat down to make it, it just was huge. And because you, I haven't played any of it, obviously, it was <laughs> in my head, it wasn't interesting to play. And by the time I like was halfway through it, I, I just... I. I I realized it was going to be crap, but I couldn't do anything else. And I just finished it anyway. And that was one of my worst jams. So um, you could go into a jam with any mentality. And sometimes it works out uh, if you hit your goal. Sometimes it doesn't. You just, you know. A game jam is a great place to learn to fail because it's only two days. Just do it and you fail. And that's fine because you've tried something new. Um, I try now to not be restricted to a thing that I want to do uh, before a jam, when I go to a jam. The creative output is, is actually very much worth it when you go in blind. You just say, I'm going to go and have fun. Uh, be prepared. Uh, like, be prepared as in have all your tools ready. Um, know that your, your, your dev environment isn't going to conk out on you, which happened at my last jam. Um, I went to that thought, oh, everything's going to be fine. I updated my Unity like two days before. And the day, on the day, on the last two hours when you're supposed to submit your game, um, I realized my game wasn't compiling at all. <laughs> and it, was, it wouldn't output to any platform anywhere. And it was this mysterious bug that no one has ever heard of before. I just started panicking and asking everyone, anyone I can get, uh, I, I asked on the Little Bear side, I asked on Twitter, I asked on Facebook, I asked on, on the Facebook side. No one knew what the hell was going on. And everyone was too busy. So, like, I just kind of went, meh, shit, can't do anything about this. <laughs> um, yeah, I stayed up an extra three hours, four hours after the deadline, which is 4 a.m. On, on the Sunday. So that means I was up till, like, and then I was just like, you know what? I don't get this out. This, this is a mysterious bug. I gave up. Um, the next day I woke up. By the next day, I mean I woke up at ten. <laughs> uh, Good three hours. I, I continued sleep. working on it and, and basically googling for a solution. And eventually, I, I found someone found this obscure bug and fixed it. But yeah, uh, make sure your your stuff compiled. Make sure your, <laughs> your dev environment is fine before you go into the chat. Make sure uh, everything is going to work. Yeah, what? make sure if you update something that you test it first. Right. Bam, that was terrible. <laughs> I was uh, I was following you on Twitter and I was seeing your tweets. I was following your whole uh, the whole jam just to see how it goes, and it was going good. And then I saw your tweets near the end, and it was uh, <laughs> I could it was palpable tension. <laughs> that was horrific. Oh well, uh, that previous jam. I mean, like it turned out pretty well. I, I like what came out, but. The first 12 hours was also a horrible experience. Horrible as in, 
I, I made a, a thing that was, again, too big. Um, I had an idea from a long time ago, and it kind of just fits the theme. The theme was two buttons and, and growing. So I, made, I wanted to make a game where you play the whole thing as a mayor of a town that grows. Um, the whole game was two buttons. You just walk around saying yes or no to people. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what a mayor does, you know. <laughs> I think Parks Tower would probably take exception to this, Stephen. <laughs> You know, you say that, but there's a game on, on Steam which is exactly like that. I what? think it's called King's Quest or something. No, it's uh, not King's uh, Quest. Sorry, Kingdom Quest. Uh, Kingdom, which, Kingdom. The one where you Kingdoms, yes. Kingdoms, yes, which is exactly like you're uh, <laughs> describing. Yeah, I, I actually haven't played it, but, um, but yeah, I, I heard of, of it, but uh, it, it seems similar-ish. Um, but anyway, as I, as I was making a thing, I realized my, it was way too ambitious because I was basically trying to make some city with two buttons. And <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, I mean, you know, it would probably be, you know, if you'd, if you'd made it, it would probably work better than SimCity did at launch. Yeah, you wouldn't have to connect <laughs> to a server for it to do God knows what. Hey, SimCity 2000 was still one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I love dropping that, that big black alien. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question. Anyway. Here's a question for you. Um, so you've got like, different themes at the game jam this year there's this stuff like uh bard's tale which i think is what is it, sort of shakespearean in nature and then there's lego got it right is there any particular theme that you've latched onto that you've seen that you're going to go for so the global game jam system works as there's a, there's a theme we don't know about it yet it'll be released at at, at the venue on the day okay so that's the general thing everyone goes uh, goes around making um, the the ones that you're talking about are diversifiers. Okay. So these are are um, like sub themes that you don't even have to do. And um, I've looked at them; they're really interesting. But like, I think I'm gonna take the the approach of going there, uh, hearing what the theme is, and then actually go from there rather than uh, jumping on the diversifiers first. Although, like, there's some really interesting things, like the. Uh, I, I find that a, a, quite a few of these diversifiers are tech-related, and like that is difficult for me because I'm not, you know, that much of a tech head. Like, tech head. Um, the Bluetooth one, for example, like I would love that, so people can play local multiplayer by just like going in with a Bluetooth device, any Bluetooth device. Uh, I would love to do that, but you know, it's not. I'm not technically capable yet. Okay. So, One... yeah, so but it's interesting that I might be able to do some research before uh, beforehand. But like right now, I don't have much. One of the themes uh, that diversifies here is actually Twitch Plays integrating uh, streaming uh, capabilities into your game, and that's actually a trend that's uh, happened in the last yeah. few years. Thanks yeah, to Twitch Plays is, is amazing. That stuff is is is. is Crazy. Like I, I wonder if there's an API for it. I, I would look into it. But um, if I could make a Twitch Play thing easily, I would totally do it. Uh, the problem again is the technical thing. I've always wanted to make a system where I can make a game, put it somewhere online, and then whoever is on that page can play it, and whoever else is on that page isn't playing it can watch it. Um, I, I want to make it a system that is easily integratable across different sort of input 
I don't know if that's easy or not easy. So, like, it's just a thing that I haven't thought about and just sit there. So, this Twitch space, yeah, if they have an API, I would gladly um, jump in with it. Okay. Now, one of the diversifiers here, which uh, Clinton latched onto quite quickly, was Lego Got It Right. Uh, <laughs> now, Clinton, what is that all about? Okay, so let me give you what they're talking about. It says here, Lego got it right, and I'm quoting from them. There are no spoken or written words in this game. This is even true in the instructions. And then it just there's a dash, persuasive accessibility. So those are the two main themes. And the, the reason we've brought up Lego is because, again, we, uh, Stephen and I were on Twitter, and uh, Stephen found a really cool Lego mech. And I think Stephen and I both like robots and mechs. And Lego. Yes. And uh, yeah. Stephen, Stephen asked the creator, this builder, this Japanese builder named Mako, um, how he could get his hands on one. And I had, to break the, uh, I had to break the news to Stephen that it wouldn't cost an arm and a leg to make one. It would cost an arm, a leg, and a head. <laughs> um, and <laughs> is that because Lego is now just so prohibitively expensive? Well, I mean, I was in a toy store the other day, and I saw like yeah. these three big boxes of Lego, like a Lego set of like... Pirates of the Caribbean and a TIE yeah, Fighter yeah. and all the rest of it. And I looked at the prices for these three sets, and it was almost like the down payment on a car. Yeah, yeah. Well, the big problem with that mech specifically is it was very big, first of all. Quantity equals price. Like, how big are we talking here? Um, well, I can't give you a, a size with my hands because uh, <laughs> it, it was really big. And the color it was using, which is a color called lime green, is a very rare color. So, uh, rare color also equals price. <coughs> And again, the the builder didn't put any instructions, so you'd need to like fan dangle yourself. Um, and also, the reason we're talking about Lego is that a new game is coming out tomorrow, which is uh -huh. Lego's Marvel Avengers. Have you played any of the Lego games, Stephen? Um, I, I have a friend, Jack, and he's got two kids, and they played all the Lego games. <laughs> I haven't myself. Well, actually, I played one. Uh, I think it was a Harry Potter, but like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's very interesting. Like they. they They've nailed the, the formula for kids, the, the, the way you use the parts to make other stuff. I mean, it's all really just, it, it's like Transformers uh, movies, where it doesn't really need to transform properly. It's yeah. stuff moving about, and then it goes, and that's it. Yeah. Which is, is really cool. Um, but not really, like, I think I would maybe get them if I was playing with other people. Yeah. In, like, the fun multiplayer. You know, a lot of people give uh, like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed the stick for every year being, oh, this is the same game. But Lego, yeah. they're just like, oh, we got a new property. We'll throw in the old formula. Yeah. But I, I watched... New formula. Yeah, just very. I watched the a few uh, gameplay things for this new one, and it actually looks like they've added stuff. Like, um, in uh, it's actually based on Age of Ultron oh, and right. the first Avengers movie. So it's, that's why it's called The Avengers. And like the uh, the part where uh, Thor hits Captain America's shield and it goes and it hits all the Iron Legion, you can do that um, in this new game. So they have uh, I don't know the real name, but they're like buddy moves because you're always playing as two characters. Moves. Yeah, uh, they always have two characters on the screen at once, so you can do interactions between them. I'm very interested to see how that's going to work because there's something like 150 characters. So I think somebody had to sit down and program. Wow, what? No, no, no. Here's the thing about the Lego game. Yeah. Because I've played quite a few of them. I've had to for review. And they are very deep indeed. 
Yeah. I mean, they, 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 oh. they're great if you want to, like, just stick them on and have a knock around time with your, your family or your friends. But, like, if you really want to unlock the content, if you really want to, you, that, those games can keep you going for up to months on end. Oh, they yeah. really, really can because there are so many different characters, so many different combinations. And I think that, like, uh, what was it? Lego Batman 2 was the one that went open world. Uh, yes, so, number two. So yes. then you had like whole cities and environments to explore. Um, and the other thing about... So, so, so the, the Lego Batman are like Mini Arkham Asylum. Mini Arkham Asylum? Well, the combat's not as good. I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's, it's not up there. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, what it tries to do is just give you this huge toy box. Mm. It's literally a toy box. Uh, and do not go near them if you have OCD. Well, this is the thing I wanted to ask you, which was like, because uh, it's Lego Marvel Avengers uh, Age of Ultron coming up. Is that uh, as, well, it... it's called Lego Marvel's Avengers. Right. Here's the question for you. Does it come with peripherals like Skylanders or... Uh, no. Right, so it's, uh, it's not that much of a uh, of an attack on your wallet. No, that's Lego Dimensions, which hasn't been launched in South Africa for some reason. It's been out for about five months overseas. That's probably because it costs the same as a down payment on a car. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, we've been told that Lego uh, Dimensions, which is like Skylanders but Lego... Uh, that's launching around March this year, but it's been v- uh, the people here have been very iffy and they don't actually know the right details. Lego's not the best managed company in the world. I've had to deal them deal with them on professional and personal levels multiple times, and the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing, so uh, it's all loosey goosey. But here's the thing: for I mean, you guys are big Lego fans. How much would you say you spend a year on Lego, Stephen? Um, honestly, I don't anymore. Oh. You quit. As I showed you my shelf full of mechs, and I mean like mechs because I used to be an avid Gundam builder. Gundam. Gundam? Yeah. So I've got like a bunch of these robots, and if I ever bought Legos, it would be for pieces to harvest to build some mechs with. And it's really hard to get particular like interesting pieces in coherent color yeah. schemes so I like kind of just gave up um, so I don't really buy uh, toys like that anymore I, I mean they're great and cool but uh, it's, it's just not feasible like I don't have the time for it so if I buy it they just don't sit there oh, yeah, um, it's, it's a fact, huge time sink as well yeah I have these giant containers full of and, and giant I mean like what, uh, one of those big Like HTH uh, full of, tubs. Full of unbuilt Snicker uh, model kits. Like, oh, yeah. full. So, wow. I, I, yeah, I, I don't see the point. Like, if, if I'm going to get something, I might as well do something with what I have already. Yeah. It's like the damn Steam backlog. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it really is. It, it's one of those hobbies that never end. And, like, if you get into buying Lego, you also get into a separate hobby, which is sorting Lego. Cause oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because like normal people, you buy a set and then you keep the set as the set. Uh, the way a lot of people do it is you buy the set, you keep it around for a little while because it looks nice and then you break it down for its parts. And yeah, that's I, a lot I of work. You break it down and put it into the box immediately. Yeah. 
And that's uh, the funny thing, though, is that, like, apparently, like, because Clinton told me this a couple of weeks ago, and I looked it up because I, 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 you know, it's not that I didn't believe you, I just wanted to read it with my own eyes, was that apparently, like, um, Lego these days is looked at as a better investment than gold. Yes. Because its price doesn't fluctuate, and it, 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 it only increases with value. So if you're one of these people who can stand to buy Lego and then lock it in the attic... Um, if you invest enough in it, you could probably you could probably finance a pension with it. Oh, definitely. the The biggest thing with it is the most expensive set was an Ultimate Collector series of the Millennium Falcon. It's one of the biggest they made, and they only put it out for a few years. And then a lot of people bought it and just like hung on to it, so it became really expensive. Somebody on there's a local Lego group which buys and sells. Somebody sold a similar kind of set but smaller, and they wanted twenty thousand rand for it. <laughs> Here's the thing, 20,000 Rand was a bargain. That's like half the price it would go for overseas. Yeah. So if somebody from America came in, they're like, oh, I'll buy that set. That's a, that's a great value. So oh <laughs> for a lot of reasons I won't go into now, certain sets, um, their value just skyrockets as soon as they stop making them. Yeah, uh, that's rarity. Um, have you seen one of the, I think it was Saturday Night Live, where Harrison Ford... Oh like yeah. Smashed a Millennium Falcon yes, that was the expensive one. That was the Ultimate Collector series. I don't know if yeah. you've seen this, Nick. Um, no. They were interviewing Harrison Ford, and this guy came out. He said, "I'm a huge fan. Uh, I've had this Millennium Falcon for a long time. Can you sign it for me?" So he's like, "Oh yeah, sure." And he's like putting on an act, and he basically threw it over his head, and it just exploded yeah, I, into pieces I'm behind him. Yeah, you see, that's that's the thing I like about Lego because I have a niece and a nephew. If they come into my room and it's a whirlwind and they destroy all my things, it's fine. I'll just have to put aside a few hours to put them back together. Sounds like you'd have to put aside a few days to put things oh, back yeah. together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. It really depends because I'd like some of the more fragile pieces I wouldn't trust anyone yet. <laughs> Yeah, it's Lego's tough. It's hard to like break it so it's not a Lego piece anymore, but it's easy to break a model apart. That's uh, true. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, on that note of having uh, seen my childhood evaporate in a puff of uh <laughs> a smoke, of dollar signs. Of dollar signs. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining us, Stephen, and good luck at the game jam this weekend. I, I, I hope that uh that the, whatever you produce doesn't crash or is filled with bugs at the last minute. <laughs> and thank you very much Clinton oh it's a pleasure okay and we'll see you guys and we'll see you guys next week see bye. bye The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.